manipulate the price of gold and silver. But all that money printing that they've done has flowed into the only non-manipulated currency in the world, and that is Bitcoin. I think this is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. Once in a while, you can Bitcoin changes absolutely everything. What's in there? Only what you take with you. Hey, Ishi. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, this is long time mm-hmm. in the making. We've discussed a few times that we should uh, get to it. And like now we are finally uh, got our schedules to match. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, how about we jump like straight into it? Maybe uh, if you want to share a bit of a background about yourself, and then we can dive a little bit into Bitcoin as well. But so um, I'll kind of give you like a rough outline, and then we can kind of deep dive into different parts. Like the last kind of twelve yeah, years sure. of my life, I would say is the relevant part. So from there, it kind of my whole journey kind of started with music, then went into economics then went into audio, then got into C, then got into Linux, then got into Bitcoin, and here I am today. And each of those segments were like kind of like, uh, they all like everything before continued existing, but each new thing would come up Mm. every like two, three years. So it kind of started with music, two, three years, I was kind of, I was in high school and then went to study economics at university and then dropped out of economics, uh, started like went full time into audio, and uh, from audio I got into C to like for audio programming specifically, and then Linux mm. came my way. That became like my way. Like I understood C, and like I, w- I was working on a Mac when I was doing all the audio stuff, and I was doing some C on a Mac and some C plus plus and stuff. And then when I found Linux, I was like, you know, I understood C and C plus plus so much more. I understood the whole. Like I was studying audio primitives like DSP and stuff like that. So all that stuff just made so much more sense. And then Linux became my like daily driver. And then Bitcoin node came up in 2016. I just started running a Bitcoin node on it. Even that just, you know, made very intuitive sense. And this is someone coming from a music background, right? That all this technical stuff is just intuitively making sense to me because of like these tools and like, you know, taking, taking, learning these tools from like first principles and just building on these, like, you know, first principles kind of foundations. And they all just start really making intuitive sense as you go further into it. And it's only in the last like four years that I've gone really deep into like, you know, Bitcoin specific technicals, like cryptography and stuff like that. And that's actually, even that was kind of, you know, in the last Three years, um, really, I would say was when, the, which is when around when we started building Stackmate Wallet, and that's around when I met Ravi and when I met Raj, and so that all of that just kind of you know meeting all these people also kind of just boosted me down. That meeting the right people also is like really important, I guess, in like learning hundred percent, you know, yeah. something new. But that's kind of like the whole timeline and we can like dive into each of those periods are exciting for their own things and they all kind of tie into bitcoin in a sense bitcoin also existed through that entire thing like i while i was studying economics as well i kind of knew about bitcoin i had some friends in like i was studying in the uk i had some friends in london who had like Mm -hmm. you know used it on the dark net and they like ordered drugs and shit and i was like whoa that's like that's that's the phenomenon right like and yeah the whole that's an entire different rabbit hole that we can go down. But that was kind of my first uh, battle, right? That was the first attack that I felt was the attack on my consciousness, which is what all these plants to me are like, they're like tools that nature have given us to understand ourselves or some aspect of our lives better. But the fact that these things were kept from us and we being treated as criminals for you know, genuinely showing interest in exploring these things. That was kind of the first uh, battle for me. That was the first thing I felt like this is not cool. Like, and then kind of 
the the things that came out of my experiences there were also so positive and everything mm. everyone i met down that track you know like everyone trying to do good things for for the world for themselves first and for the world as well genuine people you know being treated like they're criminals for doing something genuine and that's kind of a similar trend i find in bitcoin as well which is why i relate to it so much more because my first battle was that and now this is like opened up even more this is like saying yo you guys are you guys are everywhere like there's there's attacks coming from every everything is compromised it's like we're living in like the age of scams you know and mm, that's kind of so yes. all of these things have happened in very uh they all kind of they're like interdisciplinary you know this is like bitcoin yes. kind of finds itself in everything and kind of even you know in that sense for me music finds its place in everything to me like you know i so when i was studying uh audio i i i kind of mm-hmm. geeked out into audio like i was going to the bottom of like you know the sine waves and like studying it from there and like uh, there was there's, there's this like um if you think of the, the term frequency right frequency is kind of something that's happening over a function of time like some cycle is repeating over time so there's some predictability when you have when you assign a frequency to something so literally everything that we do every action that we take technically has a frequency because it's happening over a function of time and in that sense literally your entire life is actually like one large piece of music it every every frequency so even if you take like a really low frequency like a or you take a really high frequency like light for example all of them are basically <clears throat> they're all numbers they all uh, assigned a number and they're referred to as hertz right so if you if you multiply these numbers by 2 the 2 is the multiple you get an octave what's called an octave so like a c if i yes. play a c3 and i play a c4 it's the same c the root is the same but the it's an octave higher so you can basically take mm. any frequency you can take a frequency of light like if i send you a pure light frequency you can keep dividing it by 2 until it comes down to a size where it's now within the audible range and you could kind of say that that is what that light sounds like in a sense mm. you know it's not exactly a direct mapping but mathematically it is it's like it is a direct octave of that So technically everything we do in our lives if you, if we see it happening over like a lifetime it's a very slow low frequency because where hertz is like cycles per second so something like uh, how what's at what frequency do you uh, brush your teeth it's like once a day or twice a day so that's like in how many how many times in a second it's like 0.0000000 something it's a really small low frequency So our lives are like lower and lower frequency as we get to like matter and like physical form happens at lower lower frequencies but even those low frequencies you can multiply keep multiplying it by 2 all the way up till you get to like the sound spectrum and now you can kind of say that's kind of in that sense our entire lives can be mapped out into music or it, it it's arguably already music it's just not happening at the audible spectrum that we hear it and perceive it as music but it is the essence of what music is it's like a nice arrangement of frequencies that like create harmony and stuff so kind of that yeah i don't know where i was going with that but that's a perspective on yeah, yeah music i mean that, yeah. i love it goals. yeah cuz we started with your background and then you like gradually dive straight into this but uh, i mean yeah I, I, so, so if you're saying now we stick with frequency for now so if so if you're saying if uh, f- like every frequency is music in the same sense it is light also right so you keep going higher up and then it's oh, light no. so is that I, it's it's not it's not that every frequency is mu- you can say every frequency this is sound versus music music being a okay. arrangement of frequencies in a way that creates harmony right. so you can create music in the light spectrum as well if you mix lights nicely and stuff you can create some kind of the equivalent of music in the light i guess that's what artists are doing right they're kind of create mm. i'm calling a piece of art also music because it's like an arrangement of frequencies actually uh, in a sense yeah it's not exactly but right. that's the the distinction being sound is frequency and uh arrangement of f- frequencies in a way that create harmony and stuff is where what music would be Okay. Now you did mention that when you were in high school that's when uh 
that's when you got into music right like so so you just want to expand so on that when, a bit yeah that's kind of when i kind of realized i was i've been playing instruments since i was like 4 5 and high school was when i kind of yeah, sorry that just, this is something i might want to do with my life like i i want to you know like create music and mm-hmm. in high school i was into like house music and stuff i was like kind of like the the whole dj culture was yes. kind of where it kind of made me think that i could kind of maybe do this as and i used to play at my high school gigs and stuff and i like had a lot of friends so who were like waiting for me to, to play monthly sorry sorry what instruments you used to play like growing up uh i started with the keyboard the keyboard was like my mom made me go to these keyboard classes so i didn't like it the mm. guitar was the first thing i wanted to play and then that's what i got into and then i got into the trumpet as well trumpet i played for quite a while i was like in the band and shit in the marching band yeah. in boarding school and stuff and then in high school i got into the drums and that's when i also discovered like daws electronic music daws and stuff and then mm. started playing around with ableton fruity loops first and then ableton and now now i'm like mainly ableton there's this new daw called uh, bitwig right. which is really cool like you can you can it gives you this entire like modular digital modular platform where you can like it's endless what you can do now you can get lost in there Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember, like, yeah, I remember the DJ phase as well, cause like, yeah, and then dabbling with uh, Ableton. But, but yeah, I didn't get. I mean, I've used it, used Fruity Loops and everything like that, but like, not maybe not as in depth as you. Uh, yeah, but I guess it's one of those things, like you know, and everyone can. It's like everyone yes. can just have a guitar and be at different levels. Even that's kind of just this toy that. Yeah. <laughs> given now everything is like like lately everything is oh ai this and ai that so how much of influence is ai going to have on this uh, on music basically and and tools for yeah. creating music yeah that's an interesting one i mean i'm not too sure i think so there's one thing where like we create uh, at least like the further and further you go down the music scene and you're trying to really get to like the good stuff the all the good stuff like the really in depth thought through like you know a lot of uh, you know energy gone into that music all of that stuff is pretty much in the underground the it's not popular music and most of that music is kind of uh, it, it it's it's not just about the end product it's about the process that led to that which and that process will never be abandoned because the musicians love that process and we'd always mm. as humans kind of comes down to why yes an ai can you know just you know pull out create a, a track that, like a beautiful piece that's you know got all the nice harmonies and stuff that we love and it's interesting and all this stuff but it won't uh, and we might even enjoy it as a listener but then there's a difference when a musician is performing his stuff and that mm. whole experience and yes. the, the fact that, like with code for example like most people would rather if if they can like even me i if i could offload a lot of my work to ai i would do it like i don't love coding i i enjoy it i appreciate it i respect it for what it is but i don't love it in the same way that i love music and that's this is something i kind of even you know i even within our team we kind of come back to this thing of like we, we like really dis- making the distinction of what we mean when we say love right it's like uh, yes i do love my work in that sense but i'm not uh, this i i would i i wouldn't be here if i didn't have to be here there's a essence of like i'm here out of respect also and it's more here out of respect than out of love which has mm. is, is an aspect of love but it's not like uh, these are like loaded words and i'm trying to get to something very specific but it's more like you know when i open up my laptop to do work like to work on bitcoin stuff I, i it's not about love at that point love is not the dominating thing it's like that's not yes. what's driving me to do this thing it's like there's a you know it's like you're uh, you want to be effective and you want to be you know thinking about long term things you want to it's not love it's not the same as you know when i sit down with a guitar to just like play or like anything yes. else that you like love doing mm and and that also draws a distinction because you're like i i have to get in there i have to finish the thing and i have to leave and i don't want mm. it to drag and leak into this and that and like not have to because again i for me even like all this tech stuff i kind of very explicitly 
chose this as the thing that I'm going to do to help me earn money. And this coming down to like, you know, the whole thing of what is money and stuff. I had to go through that. Every, all, all Bitcoiners go through that period of like questioning what actually is money? Why do I need this thing? What am I actually? So you're not getting paid money to do something that you love. You are creating value for somebody else, whether that's your, the, the, the team you're working with or even the team you're working with, they are building for the market. The market is the boss. They set the requirements and you have to deliver those requirements. And that's why you get money because you did something that somebody else wanted. So now if, as a musician, I want to just write the music that I want to write. I don't care about the response I get. I mean, yes, of course I want people to like it, but I prioritize my process yes. over the, the the market, for example. So that's where I'm making the distinction of what you love versus like, you know, what you just respectfully have to do because that's what you need to live in a society where like, you know, you have, everybody wants different things, mm. but now how do we coordinate? How do we cooperate and get all the different things that we want? Yes. And that's where kind of money helps to fix that problem. So yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like in the creative process, so that's what people, I think people love the creative process. And then when it is more to contributing to society, that's like where the respect or the other aspect comes in, right? And like, I think uh, Alan Watts said, uh, what, what was it? He's, I think he was talking about someone writing a book and he's like, write it to the gods or write it for yourself. And then there's people that would appreciate it would actually get it right. Like write it to yeah, yeah. write it for yourself first. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. And Alan Watts, can, uh, <clears throat> he had said something, he made a comment about money as well in like the seventies where he called it an information yeah. stream. Like mm. he was onto it. <laughs> he was onto it. Yeah. And, and then I think then you mentioned economics. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, what was that like? And also, like, when did that, uh, I guess Bitcoin, like, comes into this at some stage. But how do you see money today versus how you've seen it before, I guess? Oh. So the economics thing was, I, when I was in high school, I was a math major throughout, like, I, uh, math was my strongest subject throughout school. Mm. Uh, like, I was... Uh, it was kind of, I, I was into science as well, uh, but I was also kind of more, it was more about pure math. That was really what I was like good at in school. And when it, when high school came around, it was like, I, I, I grew up in Dubai. So I, I the, this is where, you know, the, the whole, for me from through my entire life, I have like kind of evolved and moved i was one thing and you know kind of new information comes in and it changes me and, and i'm very uh like it's like don't trust verify i go through that process but then i'm once i have verified i'm very it's very easy for me to drop the bullshit and you know correct myself and that i would actually attribute to psychedelics psychedelics helped me do that helped me get to that point of like saying it's okay you can let that shit go you know that was done it's over now you can you can you know, realize it and then move on. That kind of was something that psychedelics helped me. And this is where I see it as, you know, medicine when it's done in the right set and setting, when it's done with the right people, with the right guides. It, and it should be treated as like the, uh, like countries like Portugal and Switzerland, they treat it like um, it's, it's under the domain of medicine, right? It should be done in a clinical setting with nurses and the right support because you're actually healing various it's and to me mm. the healing actually doesn't stop mentally as well like the the mental healing is like a gateway into physical healing as well which opens up an entire paradigm of medicine but that's another rabbit hole that you know like i have you spoken to rusty on this uh podcast i have yes 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 yeah we yeah, did so, uh, i mean yeah that's yeah <laughs> it's fun going down these rabbit holes with him on the medical side like he's deep into that stuff he's like that's his primary rabbit hole. Like Bitcoin is primarily mine. His is kind of medicine. Yes. And he recently, he's mm. around here in Goa. So I've been meeting him recently and we've been <clears throat> going down this rabbit hole of the paradigms in medicine. And But basically, uh, what was I getting at? I, I lost track of where I started on this. 
Right. You were talking about economics and economics. how I got into that. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> basically, at that time in Dubai, right, my mindset at the time in Dubai was that, okay, we got to the time where we're all applying for universities and stuff. And what do I want to do? I have to figure out, like, what exactly I want to get into. And for me, it was like, I'm good at maths. I can go work in an, in a bank and I can, you know, make bank and I'll be balling. I'll be, I'll have all the money I need and I'm good. And I, and I know I can kill it. And that was my naive entrance into economics. I was literally going in there to become a banker. But for me, what, what my idea of investment banking, what I wanted to get into was specifically asset management. I was interested in, you know, just managing, like I, I would, my, my thing was basically uh, investing in very specific companies, being very like detailed in my study of specific companies and only going into these and more like long-term kind of investment strategies and that type of stuff. And then once I got in and, you know, the course started, first year was fine. And then the second year was when LSD kind of made an entrance and it made me like kind of stop. And it was not just LSD. It was also a bunch of information from prior to LSD as well. Like those doc, the documentary Thrive, you probably heard of. That's something that a lot of people around that time kind of, that documentary kind of opened the rabbit hole for a lot of people. Thrive. So that opened the rabbit hole for me. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. There's more to what's happening. Like, and then, you know, I'm learning more about what these banks actually do. And I'm like, these are the people you're going to get involved with. And I'm like justifying it to myself. Like, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, all this shit. And then over like the next six months, it was like, I can't do this shit, dude. I, I do not want to do this. I can't do this. I like literally called my mom and dad at home. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm fucking coming back home. I don't want to do this anymore. They're like, wait, 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 hold on. What like for them, it was really sudden, right? I didn't tell mm, them that, you know, yes. I'm watching all these doctors and dropping acid and shit. And one day I just called them like, look, I've been thinking about this for a while and I'm not feeling good about this course, blah, blah, blah. Just let me come back home and we'll talk about it and stuff. I come back to Dubai. And actually my plan was, uh, I'll come, I was like, I'll go back to India and I'll figure stuff out. This was what I pitched to my dad. My dad is like, a, you know, he, he did a, he, his background is such that like, he came from a family that, you know, he got a scholarship and stuff and he, he was a lawyer and like he aced things in his life. He finished like his two years masters in one year and he still aced, it beat everyone in his thing. And like this from like Northwestern University, some Ivy League or whatever, some prestigious universities. And so he did that thing, right? He did that university thing. So when he was seeing me going through this, he was like, dude, like, no, you can do so much more. You know, you don't just don't like get a degree at least, you know, don't just go back. What are you going to go back to India and just figure shit out? Like, but for me, that was very clear. I was like, that's actually what I need to do. And that's actually what I ended up doing. Even after I did the other degree, he insisted that I do a degree. And so he was like, what are you interested in right now? Just go do that degree. You know, that's like for an Indian parent, that's fucking advanced already. He's like, what? Are, he's like, didn't care if I studied geography also. He's like, go get the degree of geography. But get me some degree from, you know, somewhere that means something like, okay, fine, I'll study audio engineering. And then I went to you know, Australia and studied audio engineering. And that's when the whole, you know, the music thing went really further. I was in Australia for like four years. And then, then I came back to India and did my thing of figuring my shit out in India and like just joined some startups here and Bitcoin startups here. And that was actually the first one was a shitcoin startup as well. But uh, just dived into the industry, you know, and just like started f figuring my way. And, and that's what kind of went. So throughout all this thing as well, throughout these 10 years of like going through economics, coming to Australia, while I was in Australia, especially, I used to talk to currently he's my business partner. He's my friend from boarding school as well. We used to talk like once every three, four months on Skype. And since 2012, you know, he like, I told him about Bitcoin and like, I was like, yeah, some of my friends in London and shit bought some stuff and it worked out for them. And he kind of, and for me, I, after that, it was like, yeah, okay. Some new money. I didn't understand money, but Prashant, he fucking went down the economics rabbit hole while I was studying audio engineering. He went down the economics rabbit hole. He got it. And like, he was getting it more and more. And every time we spoke on Skype, he's like, bro, it's too, it's still early. Get in, get it's from $50 Bitcoin. Somewhere around there, yeah? For, yes. And I remember 
him calling me at like a hundred dollar Bitcoin. I remember him us talking at four hundred. I remember us talking at like when it went past a thousand and down to eight hundred. Then I remember us talking at fifteen hundred, and it's only around fifteen hundred was kind of when I came in. You know, I bought a little bit, not even like properly, like just a little bit, just entering, and that's when I started running my node and stuff. For me, I actually started my thing with running a node before even buying Bitcoin. I just ran the node because I came at it from like、uh, C Linux. My understanding came from it came came in from Linux and then running. Bitcoin D and stuff. His understanding came in from economics and all of that stuff. Even though, funnily, I was studying economics. I I was studying some bullshit economics, right? Like the course itself was not.、Uh, it was very tailored towards you know finally getting you in an investment bank type of situation. So,、uh, like I, even though I was studying economics, I had I had no idea at that period about the Austrians. I just knew, yeah, okay, there's Keynesian and there's classical, and I I did even over there I was. More on the classical side, Milton Friedman was like as far as I would have. If you asked me while I was studying economics, who's your dude? I would probably say Milton Friedman. But then it's only now in like the last、yeah. three four years that you know I really studied the Austrians and stuff, and even that not very much in depth, but just a little bit was enough to kind of because they build this case on like deductive reasoning, because you can actually take it forward now yourself. You can kind of just read a little bit, and now you have a lot to kind of. Play with, and you can kind of build around that, and yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of how economics and fit、huh, into that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and then at yeah. So, so at what stage did you find Bitcoin? Like at what part? Like so, twenty sixteen.、Hmm. While I was in Australia, twenty sixteen, I you, started running a node, and then I like. You know, just I had an I had an account in Australia with CoinTree. Okay, that was yep, the first.、Yep. That was the, that was when I bought it from when I was over there. And actually, funny story. I have a friend in Australia who, while I was doing this Bitcoin stuff,、uh, he was like,、um, he saw me doing this stuff. He's like, yo, if I give you a hundred dollars, can you like just buy me some Bitcoin? And then in like a few years, I'll ask you for it for it, and it'll be like way more. I was like, yeah, fine, sure. He and this was in twenty sixteen. He gave me a hundred bucks, and I bought it at around something like thousand five hundred or something Aussie dollars. And literally four years later, he was in a really bad situation. He called me. He's like, "Bro, is that is that Bitcoin there? Can you? I I need to sell it because I'm in a bad situation."、Mm. And I sold it to him. Sold it on local bitcoins and got the money into his account four years later, and it was thousand two hundred something dollars Australian dollars.、Yeah. Got a twelve x in four years. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! That was awesome.、Yeah. That was a good. <laughs> It's like my little custodian and, and, and story, I rem- <laughs> and 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 I remember we were chatting maybe a f- few months ago, and he was like, "Oh, you was because you were working at this startup, I think,、uh, and then、uh, you you were setting up nodes, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to expand on that because he's like, "Oh, you, yeah, you were setting up Bitcoin nodes、mm-hmm. that seemed all right, but then when you started setting up some." Shitcoin slash、yeah. crypto nodes, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, this place was a Bitcoin and Ether exchange. They only had Bitcoin and Ether, and this was in like 2017. And then, when the whole regulation thing, the regulators came down on the Indian exchanges in around early 2018. So, this kind of put all the existing exchanges up to that point had to like,、uh, to some degree, pivot. And adapt, I should say, not pivot. They had to adapt to all of that stuff. Truebit was one that couldn't adapt and it failed. But most of the what most of them had to do was they had to build order books, and just start being this platform. The OTC model was dying, and Truebit was an OTC. We were directly buying and selling. Customers were directly buying and selling from us. But everyone kind of immediately went to the order book model, and they were like, even if we stop rupee. Buying and selling Bitcoin with rupee, we can at least allow them to do crypto to crypto trading, and we can survive as a business. So it was around that period when they decided to build an order book, and then they were going to add all those other shit coins and stuff. And that's when,、uh, basically, so just before this thing had happened, I was already telling them like, you know, let's run our at least our own Bitcoin and Ethereum nodes because that's what we have right now. So I. Set up the Bitcoin node,、uh, Ethereum node. I had set it up, but it was kind of、uh, 
they uh, there was something with that interior you know. but even that was kind of like okay it was still it was still very big it was still huge it was much bigger than bitcoin but these were the two things that we had to start off as then later on when they came up with this order book thing and they wanted to add all the shitcoins as well we started trying out all these different shitcoin nodes and basically there's a bunch of them that are pretty much identical to bitcoin like doge and digibyte and vertcoin and uh, namecoin and there's a bu- all those early shitcoins they are literally direct clones of bitcoin bitcoin like it's bitcoin d bitcoin cli it's the same c++ code base with a few changes and stuff those were like kind of fine easy to run easy to manage but the moment you start getting into like ada and like even ethereum mm. is like was a little bit weird but it was still not as bad as something like ada is like it's, a, it's like hectic shit to run like it's all these weird and um there was what is that other one there was but it ended up being something like there was a point where i was running around 16 nodes and a lot of them out of these 16 nine of them were just the these bitcoin copy zcash dash all of those are like bitcoin identical ones it was ethereum ada and some about the other ones those were the ones that kind of really took up most of the space and you know that first month that we like kind of prototyped uh deploying this stuff it like the amazon bill was something like close to 1000 bucks or something for half a month and bitgo at the time was giving us the whole thing for $5000 a month so we were kind of comparing is it cheaper to run our own infrastructure or use bitgo and the our own infrastructure was turning out to be like it, it was, we didn't even have all the coins that bitgo was giving us and it was still you know reaching up to like One fifth the amount, and then there's all the admin cost. So then we kind of mm. ditched that whole thing. But for me, that whole thing was kind of that was my learning experience. I was actually the lead of support at Truebit. That was, support was my department. I met these wow. guys at like yeah. a social event. You know, it was kind of like uh, my my role in that place was kind of more being on the communicative side with the customers and all that stuff. but i was doing stuff in every other in other departments too i was helping in operations i was dabbling in tech and then after a point when this project came on i kind of also became a part of the tech team and i was like the junior and I, this was kind of my pet project which i was kind of which kind of led to cyphernode because what i ended up building for the bitcoin specific thing was kind of what i was when i left the company as well and prashant and i teamed up and we start prashant was like from day one it's like you know the number one rule is this is bitcoin only we are never even discussing shitcoins he set that tone like from day one and that's been like you know the nice. the thing that grounded us through the entire thing and if this is where you know he's an essential part of my whole process because i would have wasted like i don't know how many years if it wasn't for having him around i feel like i would still arrive at bitcoin only but the amount of years that i would have been wasted shitcoining this dude saved me from that so oh, yeah. at, at, when we started i was doing just the bitcoin node type of infrastructure thing and then i discovered cyphernode and cyphernode was like mm-hmm. you know it solved that problem for bitcoin only if you're running your bitcoin only infrastructure that thing has like is generalized the infrastructure level and then you you can do whatever apps you want you know you continue building your apps if you're an app developer you know don't worry about infrastructure you've got it there and like you have a standardized way that you know to do infrastructure and you just focus on building apps and you plug in to that infrastructure and yeah so that's kind of the bitcoin infrastructure side of the work that I've done oh wow yeah and 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 so currently because you did mention stackmate and cyphernode right like you mentioned stackmate earlier cyphernode now uh Yeah. Yeah, so just for the people that are listening, you want to expand on those two? Yeah, so uh Cyphernode is kind of the starting point. That's like the your Bitcoin node. And okay. I mean, it depends on who you are, it's your starting point. If you're if you're like a complete sovereign individual, you want to run your whole infrastructure yourself. cyphernode is the starting point and to make it to give it some kind of a it's kind of the the kind of geeks version of raspberry blitz 
you can you can get a raspberry it's basically your node right your the home the node that's running at your home which is which has the entire copy of the blockchain and you can broadcast transactions to it you can it has a wallet as well a local wallet and you can use that local wallet but the idea is that actually the wallet you want to think of the wallet as separate from the node i actually like to think of bitcoin as there's three main players there's miners there's nodes and there's wallets and technically bitcoin co the software had all three in one in the beginning because every miner was a node and also had a wallet but it's only now mm. over time as you know we've uh, become actually more decentralized and now we've kind of seen that these three things are actually isolated things dedicated things that have their own that de- they need each other and they have ways to communicate with each other when they need each other so cipher node is the node part of things it's like the the a standardized way of running a node which should be the first thing that uh, someone who really wants to be sovereign should be doing the first thing you really want to do is just run your own node because that's also kind of your your you actually now only censorship resistant you are only going to get privacy if you run your own node if you're using someone else's node you're always now having to worry about you know making sure tor is on or making sure i have a vpn because you leak your ip even once to this guy now he's got everything and so that's what cipher node is the node operating software and then on the wallet side stackmate was our kind of pet project that kind of we it was our first shot at building wallets we we had never as a team even we never thought that we would <clears throat> even attempt to build a wallet but then in 2020 one thing led to another and we kind of found ourselves in this point where we were building a wallet and there were because it was kind of a mixture of bdk which was a which is a rust library that recently kind of uh 2020 was when it sort of stabilized i could say to some extent and that kind of it uses this uh, it uses this format called descriptors which is uh basically bitcoin the original like the at the bottom even descriptors eventually at the bottommost layer your address your bitcoin address is actually a script it contains like a puzzle kind of thing it so that that bitcoin script is like this stack based language which is can be a little bit weird to like you know look at and reason about but descriptor is like the same bitcoin script being expressed in a more friendly they call it engineer friendly uh way to express a bitcoin script which is what ends up becoming your address which ends up which is what the the challenge is it's like if this address has one bitcoin it's like solve this puzzle this address contains this puzzle that will allow you to spend one bitcoin and that's essentially this this descriptor format was what bdk uh, really brought to a library level where now wallet developers can use this library to do like to easily build wallets and they had kind of like uh, they had solved a lot of the internal design problems of a wallet as well if you were a wallet developer before bdk there was a lot of wallet specific uh, implementations that you had to worry about which actually you shouldn't have had. it should have been standardized it it should like so bdk came at that time standardized a lot of those things and that kind of allowed us to you know even even now when i think of it it's like without like bdk kind of creates this entry level for any bitcoin engineer to at least get started you know it's like a I was explaining this to someone else the other day and I didn't do a good job at it but I'll try again. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> like if if say now let's say it's 2012 and you are a software engineer and you're like okay I want to work on this bitcoin thing. You are taken directly to like bitcoin script, right? Which is so complex it's like this heavy dense thing that's your like this rock just falls on it's it's too you went to the deep end basically. There was no shallow end. And now over time with all these tools and with descriptors is like the it's like the shallow end now you can actually step in not feel intimidated learn it in a safe way and now you can actually go further down as well and it's easier to understand the stuff as you go deeper because you're like okay it's just building this is the same thing it's just like but i'm having to consider a few more things every level i go down and every level i go down is just these few more new things that i have to learn rather than when you threw me in the deep end it's like shit i have to figure all this stuff out right now or i can't do it you know 
So that's where I think BDK is going to, you know, really create this whole new wave of Bitcoin developers because it's the starting point. If anyone is learning Bitcoin, BDK is the best library right now to be playing around with because it can, and now when we started StackMate, there wasn't like the FFI to get into the mobile and stuff. Those were not standardized either. Today, even those things are getting standardized by BDK. And uh, so back when we had done StackMate, we had kind of defined our own FFI, which is like a way of, it's basically saying, how can you translate from code from one language to another language? Like I have this library in Rust, but I want to build my front end in Flutter. And Flutter doesn't know Rust. So how do I use that Rust code in Flutter? That's what the FFI thing is. It basically converts the Rust code to C and then the C code can be used in Flutter because C has a FFI to every language because C is like the standard. So everyone can talk to C. So as long as you can convert your code to C, then you can talk to any code kind of thing. So that's kind of where <laughs> Stackmate fit kind of... yeah started off and we kind of had that little we had started off before everyone else we had our own ffi and stuff we were actually the first bitcoin wallet on the play store that was using bdk and but still i wouldn't uh, there are things about that wallet that have to improve before i would like safely recommend it to people and now again the so they now today we have things like bdk ffi which is stabilizing a lot more and BDK Flutter is another FFI project from BDK, which allows you to directly just use BDK in Flutter. There are mm. limitations to doing to using these libraries, but there's also huge benefits to using them because you're getting standardization of certain things. And now today, actually, we are. I'm also working with um, Bull Bitcoin on Bull Wallet, which is their uh, the wallet that they're building, and they are using BDK Flutter. And so we're going to actually be seeing this now. There's going to be a lot of wallets coming out because wallet development is becoming easy. And I actually see almost every app just having a wallet. It's like, it's mm. it's very easy if you're an app builder now to just have a self-custody wallet as part of your app. It's it's not hard anymore. And there's all, all sorts of open source code out there that you can use to kind of, you know, just integrate Bitcoin wallets into your app. And Lightning is coming next, like with, LDK and then there'll be an LDK flutter as well and eventually you know we're going to have very simple Bitcoin integration into any apps and that's kind of the whole thing of the the payment gateway problem is solved now so you don't have to subscribe to any payment gateway you just download you just you're using flutter just use BDK LDK flutter and there's your payment gateway you just need a node you just need to be running a node somewhere so you can connect to your own node in the app the app might connect you to its own private node but then you as a user will all, should always have the option to connect to your own node. So this is kind of where even these guys at Bull Bitcoin, they've been, they've been doing the whole infrastructure. It's like Bull Bitcoin and us were kind of doing the same thing, but at a different scale and at a different, like in a different market as well, at a different scale. And that's kind of how we kind of converged, you know, like we've kind of converged with them in many ways and they are kind of doing the same thing. They, they've, Siphonode is a project that came out of Bull Bitcoin. And Bull Wallet is kind of like, you know, this, they, it's like kind of a partner wallet to Stackmate as well. It's like they, they kind of, mm. one, come, one, one came out of the other, one was in one, like it's the same team and they are not even, there's an extent to which now, like, so talking about Stackmate, the, that project is kind of now the way we see it is because Bull, Bull Wallet exists right now, there's certain things that okay. Stackmate doesn't have to be. And there's also mm. this, it's like, this was always, Stackmate was always this like playground wallet because it, it solved the FFI problem. It focused on building its own native FFI bridge. So now it's not just limited to even Bitcoin. Like uh, one of the, so I've spoken to you before about Cypherpost as well. Yes, yes. So Stackmate actually is a Cypherpost client as well. And that Cypherpost client is all written in Rust and we have that FFI bridge so it's kind of now it's like any code you want to write that you want on your mobile, you just write it in Rust and we can easily build an FFI bridge and now start using it in Flutter. So that's kind of, to me, what I see Stackmate Wallet doing. It's it's like this power user wallet, which is just doing weird geeky stuff. And it's not like for the average pleb. 
but bull wallet is like the pleb wallet and francis is someone who is like he's really understood user experience like stackmate was not built with uh, it was not we didn't prioritize we did like i mean i was the user right i was like i'm building stackmate yes. for myself i want this wallet mm. where i can store my funds and i can talk to my friends and i can do multi sig with them if that stuff works for me i was good like i wasn't building it for i was kind of it was almost like a it 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 started off as that type of a, like a pet project but we realized the utility in it we've always felt like if we solve our own problems properly that's going to work out and eventually it can become productized you know like you get you can take it you can take this thing now and you can revamp this thing and you know you can depends it's open to becoming whatever it can become it doesn't it's it's kind of not prioritizing that right at the moment but these guys with bull wallet have really nailed that user experience and like there's a lot of lot to love in bull wallet and it's something that will be very easily accessible to everybody and francis has, is going to be adding he's he's got it on his roadmap to add lightning as well to it which is again mm-hmm. something i don't think stackmate is going to think of anytime soon our focus is more on like the coordination of multi sig that's kind of the area we're in with cipher post and that sort of thing so these are like you know two kind of really cool projects that are like right now which is on my plate at least and cipher node as well cipher node is the third one and mm. yeah between these three it's like awesome and there's like other interesting stuff there's things Excuse like payjoin that uh, these guys yeah. are implementing in bull, bull wallet as well and in cipher node as well and what are the three the things are dan gold which one you, you mentioned three things what are the three things that you are you're currently focusing on the, right the bull wallet cipher node and stackmate as open source projects technically stackmate is cipher post cipher post client that type of thing right. a, that's actually where now i'm this is what i was alluding to before like it's actually an application with a wallet like the wallet is not the thing that's it's saying it's like i'm i'm not coming off as a wallet i'm coming off as an application that you can you know you can talk to your friends or you can you can coordinate mm. you can like possibly you know do various scripts like trading and all of that stuff and because certain of those applications require money that's where there is a wallet the wallet kind of takes a behind the scenes thing it's just there it is a very rock solid wallet but it's it's just the, and this is what i think all apps are going to end up becoming they're all going to end up having some type of wallet integration that yeah so yeah yeah i mean we're seeing that right like i think uh, telegram has a wallet now and uh, i'm not oh, sure yeah. does, does whatsapp have I a wallet i'm not sure yeah so has whatsapp money whatsapp has something like WhatsApp. whatsapp money or something right and then yeah we keep seeing that as you said like yeah in different uh, yeah different applications or there's just going to be wallet functions right mm yeah but just to switch gears here a bit uh, ishi because this is something else we yeah. are talking about like offline is like what's the current state of bitcoin or even if you want to basket it as a broader crypto industry because that's how the government sees it like what's the current state like in india for bitcoin or crypto um i mean it's so so it's uh not much has really changed it's still like extremely uncertain if you're mm. an existing player you like you're fine and it's just very difficult to at the moment start anything and right. even if you're an existing player you are going to be like they they've kind of right now if you're someone like uno coin you've kind of they've come for you for everything they could possibly come for you and you're clean and you're good now they just can't mess with you anymore and you have the funds to you know pay any new license or new requirements they have and you make sure you comply and everything and you're good but starting anything now they're just going to make it very expensive for you to start they you know and mm. and even if you do start 
you have to like really just be on top of everything like you cannot have you know you can't mix uh what's you know traditionally called white money black money you can't be mixing these two things and the the fact is that in india even what like people like if i for example if you come to india you come to goa mm-hmm. and you wanted to buy something and uh you didn't have the cash with you but i just bought it for you and you either give me bitcoin or you paid me even cash let's say you even give me cash later but i right. paid over upi for you technically i did an illegal thing it's like a j- so the thing is an illegal you can thing. do all these you'll be doing sorry an illegal thing you said yeah that's illegal. like a third party payment right 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 illegal right. yeah yeah okay like, or wow. like at least we'd have to keep invoices if we didn't keep invoices then it's illegal they could technically it's against the law so we have these stupid mm. laws like this that are you know genuine behavior is going to be it can be uh what do you call um you can be charged for like these kind of stupid things so it's like you if you start a bitcoin exchange in india and even if you're doing all of that properly you know they're going to try to find all these little things again this there is a history of this i've seen even my last company throughbit the ceo there was almost an entire month where they kind of the it department was at his house almost every day going through every single trading account and like you're going to end up paying a very big fine you so they're going to just basically it's not that it's impossible in india it's all possible Everything, anything in india is possible as one thing we know but there's a price and mm. that price is just retardedly high It's like you know I recently we went to Thailand and right. when I was in Thailand it actually made me sad because when I saw that country like how how much better the infrastructure is how much more like genuinely like it feels like the the, the people are like the place is cleaner the mm. overall morale in that country is higher and I was like this is a very similar country to India something similar about it but the and and when we inquired about you know business requirements for like exchanges and stuff licensing blah blah and taxation which is more importantly taxation very reasonable in thailand and when i think about paying mm. tax in thailand like even if i yes tax at the end of the day is still theft but you as the person who's stealing from me you're saying that this is not theft because i will do all these things for you i will build your roads and i will look after you and all this shit Right. In Thailand I can buy that argument right or for your example you're in Australia you can buy yes. that argument to some degree in India you can't fucking what are you doing with my money dude where are the fucking roads where are the fucking everything mm. what the fuck this they're literally this is like you know it's not even after a point it's depressing to imagine how much money that they're just collecting from all of us and we're not getting anything back they're just straight up pocketing this stuff they're like low level thugs And right. it's sad like you really can't do business properly in india like even if you want to start a stim- simple shop like it's a pain the number of licenses and this and that and it's like you're making it hard for a simple person to start a simple business how is the country going to progress like how is the economy going to progress you're just pocketing everyone's money and that's it it's, it's it's like you know after a point i have now got to this point of like is it even worth serving this indian market as a business that's operating out of india it's like after a point you know there's like there's two things there's one which is you know you got to you know put your own mask on first like i came yes. here with the complete hope for india in 2017 when i left australia and i came here i was like no it's possible like i know that country has its thing and blah 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 i've heard the stories but i want to go actually see and live it and feel it and even today there is there is still a part of me that's like there 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 are little gems in india and there is pockets of like you know there's people who are doing good work and as long as those people come together more and i found a lot of them through the bitcoin community you know people like johan and people like rusty and people like raj and ravi and even like you know there's other people outside the bitcoin community as well like just yesterday we had uh, dropped by to anand gandhi studio and that dude is like a awesome filmmaker in india he's he's like he's going completely against the tide with the types of films he's making and the people that he draws within his thing as well like revolutionaries you know these poets and they all understand that something is wrong in this country and we genuinely want to fix it and not 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 out of any kind of thing apart from the fact that we just want everyone to just have a better life dude and there's so much to go around 
and it's just literally being stolen it's like okay you know we'll forgive you but now leave it and fucking go and let us figure out something better and like that's the kind of situation i'm in right now i've still not left india because i think there is something there and i need to still give it a little bit more of a chance but mm. it's like my hopefulness for this place has been diminishing over the last 5 years and it's just kind of in some ways it's getting worse even right like now right. the 2000 rupee notes places are not accepting 2000 rupee notes now just oh, yesterday wow. we went yeah. to a place and they were like no 2000 rupees accepted it's like did you playing with money you're playing with people's livelihoods to this extent for what for like to outbeat your competing party like mm, change the yes. money like fuck with the money so that you know you because they are doing black money it's like low level thugs and the thing is most of their votes come from uneducated people because they are the masses the masses of the 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 10% p educated people like who are in a position to even have these discussions that we are having right now yes their votes they don't care the guy who's in power next he's like i don't even need even you take that whole 10% i'll get the remaining 90% votes and i'll tell them the mm. story about black money and they'll vote for me again and it's like that's how they 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 want those people to stay in those positions they're making it hard for them to come up into this 10% to question them and that's kind of this like it's a perpetual like shit that they're stuck in and it's sad i don't know yeah. i've thought about like you know what could possibly be a meaningful solution for india like things that you you even say like you know more power to states let states you know have be sovereign and stuff you'll get called anti national like people are ready to jump on you to so i mean not that those are any reasons to like stop us from doing anything but it's just that the public sentiment is so against you and what you're doing and it's hard to but i mean that's what kind of makes it worth doing i guess you don't want some easy challenge but also you want to also make sure that you're not fighting a losing battle and if you know if the if the odds are such if you've actually made the calculated decision and the odds are such that like you'd rather be better off out of india then it's a very val- like honestly right now if anybody in our scene at least if anybody says you know i'm leaving i can i don't want to be in this fucking country i totally get it i totally un- I, and I, it's better off that they're gone because they can be of bigger value to the world than you know having to just like okay we love we i feel like people we do have some connection to the land there is something that like you know when you when i'm in india i feel like it's i love australia i felt like very much at home while i was in australia but mm-hmm. there's something different when i'm here in india there's some kind of it's a different kind of freedom that i feel when i'm here which i can't explain but i i think yeah. i feel that because i'm from here and i can you know relate to the culture and yeah. but yeah i don't know yeah i mean uh i was there in india recently recently as in like 6 to 8 months ago and and that was after a while right like due to lockdowns and everything i wasn't able to come to india but i was fascinated to see that everything moved to a more like i went to some remote places and they all using google pay there Yeah like not only like in the cities but like even remote there's like yeah there's so much heavy use of google pay and i think paytm yeah 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 and, and again uh, the government has their whole plan of like you know digitize india yes. it's not much for them to give everybody phones to make phones affordable for everyone and mm. get everyone plugged into that it's like they've given everybody a monitoring device that's their plan yes 100% they sold phones and the yeah. social credit and all of that stuff yeah and then as i saw another fascinating thing is uh, uh the li- use of aadhar and then i was at i was at these yeah. tiny photocopy shops right like you know how we have them in around in india uh and yeah. i saw like it's a photocopy shop slash stationery shop slash mobile refill slash you know it goes on and on from what all this small shop can do but something that i saw that uh you could say the 90% that you were talking about earlier is that they can come give their aadhar card number there's like a tiny thumbprint scanner they scan their thumb so right. that they verify it's the same individual and then they are able to send they they pay the the photocopy shop cash 
and then the the money itself is sent over to their village i guess yeah oh right and that's yeah and like there's all huh. these and it's kind of like a sort of like angaria but with other yep verification with other thanks guys for tuning in and if you enjoyed the show all i ask is that you share it with one other person and i also recommend that you use podcasting 2.0 apps like breeze or fountain fm i'll link them down below this will help you earn bitcoin while you listen and it will also help support the show once again thanks for tuning in and i'll see you in the next one